Hello, everyone, and welcome to New Consciousness Review. I'm Miriam Knight, and our guest today is Dr. Maggie Phillips, a Ph.D. psychologist in Oakland, California, and the author of a number of books, Healing the Divided Self and Finding the Energy to Heal and Reversing Chronic Pain. Dr. Phillips is also the creator of several online pain self-help programs, and you can find them on her website, MaggiePhillipsPhD.com. Today, we're going to discuss her most recent book that she co-authored with Dr. Peter Levine called Freedom from Pain, Discover Your Body's Power to Overcome Physical Pain, just published by Sounds True. Welcome, Maggie. I'm so pleased you could join us. Well, thank you so much, Miriam. I am too. I'm looking forward to this. You know, pain is such a prevalent part of modern day life. I find uh, the, the whole concept of freedom from pain fascinating. Uh-huh. Um, yes. I think your book holds out real hope for sufferers from chronic pain. So let's dive right into it. Sure. I, I would like to start with the wonderful example you gave of how an animal reacts to trauma. Yes. Um, let me just uh, build a little bridge here, So, because some people who are listening may not understand the link between pain and trauma. Um, Peter and I have worked together for almost 30 years now, and uh, Peter has developed an approach called the somatic experiencing. Um, it was he who um, started getting curious about the ways that animals respond to trauma and why they don't have, at least in their natural habitats, they are able to recover uh, virtually completely. They don't show any lingering signs of trauma, whereas human beings, even if they have one uh, encounter with significant trauma, often will struggle with the results for the rest of their lives. And so uh, that was his question. What is the difference there? Uh, and what he found, which is now fairly common knowledge, but back in, in the days of the 1980s and even earlier, it was very radical. Uh, so it took a while for this approach to get included in the mainstream of dealing with trauma and pain. Uh, what he found was that there are three ways that we respond to trauma and that we are virtually the same as every other animal on the planet. And those are that we uh, run away from the threat if we can, uh, we fight back if we can do that, and if neither of those approaches work, we freeze because that is all that is left to do. The three and Fs, fight, yes. flight, or freeze. Fight, flight, or freeze. And, you know, the animal that we use to... Um, you know, to, to uh, define the, the freeze response is the possum, which in our culture, you know, we have the game called playing possum, which is pretending to be dead or asleep. And basically, uh, the possum cannot defend itself. It cannot fight back. It is slow as molasses to move anywhere. And so it has become, you know, really proficient at freezing. Uh, and what happens is the, the possum, and we do too when we're in a free state, we go into a uh, profoundly different state of uh, mind-body awareness and connection, 
and we are protected from painful death because a cascade of chemicals are released. Most of them are very pleasant chemicals such as opioids, uh, endorphins, and so forth. And the design is amazing, you know, in, in terms of uh, survival. Uh, so that if we're in a place where we cannot escape, we cannot, you know, uh, fight back or in other ways protect ourselves, then we have this state of shock and freeze that we move into, which cushions the blow, so to speak. And the problem with human beings is that unlike animals, in, in the wilds and domestic ones too, we frequently cannot, there's no way we could run away um, because often, you know, you can imagine trying to run away from a, a car accident. It's just not uh, practical or even physically possible, nor can we fight back. Um, in many cases, we are powerless. We can't move, uh, depending on the trauma. And so we automatically, by default, go into the free state. And in, in our bodies, what that means is we become disconnected from the pain uh, long enough so that, uh, in, in the case of humans, help can come, uh, we can get help in surviving, or uh, we are able to eventually just shift out of that state on our own. But many people who've had repeated traumas and we can talk about what those are in a few minutes, um, they don't release the trauma. Uh, if, you, if you think about deer in the headlights, which is very common where I live, it's almost always every evening I will uh, come across a, a deer. Lately they've been young deer. And um, they will freeze. You can see this when the headlights uh, move over them because that's their sign of threat. Something is about to get them. And so they will freeze. And then after the headlights move away, so the threat is gone, you can't see this unless you have a video of it. But uh, Animal uh, Planet and many of those uh, types of animal shows will routinely show this. The deer will very subtly shake and tremble all over and literally shakes off the effects of that danger, that threat, so that they move on about their business as if nothing happened. And, of course, what we don't have is the knowledge, first of all, that we need to shake off the effects of trauma uh, in our bodies, and, two, we don't know how to do it. So that's what our book is trying to help people learn about. You know, an interesting thought came to me as you were speaking. <clears throat> There's something called retrograde amnesia that occurs uh, at the point of a trauma so that the events immediately preceding and during the trauma are just wiped out of your memory banks. And we also get a lot of reports from people suffering um, out-of-body experiences, near-death experiences, that at the point of trauma, they kind of rise up out of their body. And then um, only after uh, a period of time, do they come back into it. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if there could be some kind of correlation between these reports and, you know, this trembling motion being actually re-inhabiting your body. Because a lot of your book is talking about mindfulness, 
But right, I'm right. wondering if by extension, mindfulness could, could actually be re-anchoring, re-grounding within your body. Mm-hmm. Well, um, yeah, those are good questions, uh, Miriam. And I guess what I would say first is, you know, the, the, the problem of retrograde amnesia is, is very closely linked with dissociation. Dissociation is an um, automatic response. Um, it's connected to our dorsal vagal uh, nervous system. And, um, and so we don't get to choose whether we will disconnect from the traumatic thing that's happening to us. It just automatically will happen to protect us from being you know, overwhelmed, overpowered. Um, obviously, if we try to hold the entire experience and it's life-threatening, you know, we are going to be completely wiped out so that we can't use whatever coping abilities we have. So that's by design of our nervous system. And um, it can be a very, very good thing um, because there is a protective function. So that, I believe, does correlate with what you're talking about in that people coming back into their body when, like the deer, they've gotten, the brain has gotten some sign that the threat is over, um, at least for the time being, and then the dissociation begins to automatically lessen, and as the dissociation lessens, uh, then the person can and does re-inhabit their body. So, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what we're trying to do is to teach people um, how, to, how to re-inhabit their body even after years of trauma, even after years of pain, that you don't have to feel like you've missed the boat if you've had, you know, you're just learning about this, this uh, approach that we're talking about uh, with the Freedom of, uh, from Pain program. Uh, you haven't missed, you know, it's, it's, um, it's not that you've completely missed out on this. You can learn and use things starting now that are going to turn around, you know, the pain and other related problems that you struggle with. I think the important point to emphasize uh, here is that recovery from pain is our natural state. But daily life in the modern world, unlike the animal life, is much more complicated. And you point out in your book that many of the traumas that we experience may not be physical. They may be emotional. Yes. And and explain how we pull those emotional traumas into our body and hold them there as well. Right. Well, again, we're, we're talking about the brain making these um, decisions, and it's not as, as clear as a decision, actually. Uh, we're wired this way. So there's, there are automatic reactions that happen. I mean, animals, if you think about animals again in the wild, um, so if you think about lions, for example, uh, they, if they had to sit around and think about whether they were going to, uh, you know, attack another animal for its dinner, they would never survive, okay? So it's not based on thinking. It's based on the lower uh, structures in the brain. And, for example, um, it's based on uh, certain reactivity that we have to stimuli that are encoded by the brain and turn on the amygdala, and most people listening will know what that is. The amygdala is the alarm center of the brain. And once that gets turned on, then, you know, we are 
it's programmed basically uh, genetically and uh, physiologically to have certain reactions and so we can't really intervene in the the reactions as the brain is turning them on because they're just too firmly wired mm-hmm. so what we want people to know is that uh, and this is a surprise to many people hearing this uh, is that emotional and physical pain are not different now we experience them differently it's true but the truth is the pathways that emotional pain such as grief or anger or fear move down are the same pathways that uh, the the pain that comes from a uh, an injury an accident um, an illness uh, they're exactly the same okay so our brains don't make a distinction this is the important part between physical and emotional pain mm-hmm. so when I see people let's say somebody comes to me and um, they're dealing with a series of losses um, let's say they've lost a parent and then their partner or spouse broke up with them and left and they've lost their job uh, hopefully this has not all happened to anyone out there listening <laughs> but um, they're just examples and when they happen all at once or in a short period of time the person obviously is going to be completely overwhelmed and retreat usually we see that in human beings uh, into depression or some type of withdrawal uh, they become what we would call collapsed in many cases if, if you're very very depressed that's what it looks like mm-hmm. and you simply can't uh, activate other kinds of responses nor can do you even know about them so for the most part what we're doing is we're trying to teach people that if you have uh, lasting emotional pain uh, we look for how that manifests in the body, mm-hmm. just as we would physical pain. And so we're going to work with them in pretty much the same kinds of ways. And therefore, you know, we're working w- with people who come in and they're complaining about physical pain. We're going to, of course, address what they're concerned about, but we're also going to look for emotional pain mm-hmm. because it's almost always there and vice versa. The person comes in with grief or loss or some other emotional problem. We are going to search for that in the body and work with it in that way. Mm-hmm. If you've just joined us, we're speaking with Dr. Maggie Phillips about her book, Freedom from Pain, Discover Your Body's Power to Overcome Physical Pain. So, um, Maggie, how does the Freedom from Pain program work? Well, um, I'm glad you asked that question. <laughs> uh, the Freedom from Pain program, first of all, let me just lay out what the format is. We have a book by that title, Freedom from Pain. It's a paperback book, and it comes with a CD of recorded practice exercises. There are 14 exercises on the CD that comes with the book. <clears throat> we also have a separate standalone audio program that consists of two CDs of recordings by Peter Levine and me and they include about four or five short presentations about how pain works how it links to trauma what our approach is what we believe about how to release this in a permanent way Uh, and it also contains 20 practice exercises so it complements the book Uh, it's really that we want to give people a chance 
uh, to choose the format that works best for them. Some people in pain really have trouble reading. They just can't focus in that way. And so the audio program is good for them because they can listen to three to five minutes and find help. Um, mm -hmm. People, however, who prefer to read and study and go over and over something um, that they're learning will probably find the, uh, the book and CD with it um, most effective. Mm -hmm. So that's how the program works in terms of the format that it comes in. Uh, then what we do is we have, um, first we, we review uh, what pain is. You know, what is pain? Why do we hurt? How do we suffer? Then we look at how normal pain, because pain is simply a signal that something is wrong, that something is threatening us, that something is dangerous in our bodies or around us. And so it's valuable for us. And uh, it's not the pain itself that's the problem. It's the fact that, uh, depending on circumstances, uh, we can enter, we can move from pain that's acute into pain that is more persistent and chronic because it lingers after the source of the pain has been healed in many cases. So that's why many people will go to a doctor, they don't show any soft tissue problem, any, uh, anything that be, can be measured scientifically. Uh, the x-rays are clear and so forth. And so they're told, well, you know, you, you've already healed that you shouldn't be in pain. Mm -hmm. And our message is, no, that's not true. You should be in pain if, in fact, there is trauma, emotional, physical, um, trauma of any kind that's held in your body that hasn't been released properly. Because then the next trauma and the one after that and the one after that will create a, you know, a buildup to the point where um, the body is stuck in what we call bracing patterns. Um, which is part of what happens in our uh, system when we're confronted with, with a true threat to our, in, to our survival. That's the way it feels anyway. And um, so we have bracing to, as part of our protective mechanism. And, and, and how does that look in the body? Bra how does bracing, that yeah, bracing is constriction. Mm -hmm. So in other words, you may not be able to see it. Okay, on an x-ray machine. So it's like chronically frozen muscles that just contract. Right. Don't it's, it's, it can be muscles, it can be bones, tendons, ligaments. Mm -hmm. You know, it could even be on the cell level. Um, so constriction, you know, really takes many forms. And it's going to depend on the age of the person when the trauma happened, it's going to or the injury or the accident. It's going to depend on how much support they were able to get at the time because we know that support at the time makes a huge difference um, if we're made to, to feel like we caused the problem, it's all in our heads, or some variation of that, then that, that lack of support can set us up to linger in uh, the, the effects of trauma and bracing for a long time. And so that constriction sometimes is in a localized part of the body, it, for example, if we have a back injury, it's going to start at least in our back. Um, however, it may join up through the nervous system, the way the nervous system works. Uh, we link up with all or many past traumas, okay? Mm -hmm. and, and it's not logical. It's not like, oh, yes, of course, well, 
I'm still having this back pain, even though I've healed from the injury because, you know, when I was, when I was uh, 10, I fell off a horse on my back and I uh, hurt the same place in my back two or three other times in a car accident, whatever. Um, it's not that simple. You know, so what we can find is that people who, uh, let's say, I'll stick with the simple example of, of hurting their back. Either they slip and fall on their, land on their back or and they're lifting something that's too heavy. Uh, and, there, and so there's a vulnerability and injury there. Injury there. And the uh, injury is that g- the, give us the example of that guy who had the frozen shoulder. That was very instructive. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, sure. Okay. So Vince... Uh, is a, a person uh, who came in for treatment because he was having this uh, frozen shoulder is a fairly common um, problem. And, uh, you know, it's very painful. If, if any of you listening have had it, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, you really, it's very hard to find a comfortable position. It seems like no matter how you move in your body, you're, you're really uh, triggering that, that whole area. And it, it lasts for a long time, and what happens is the shoulder locks up. That's why we call it frozen shoulder. So people are often told, you know, you should exercise or, you know, and do some exercises to, to help this along. And they can't even do that because any movement is just, you know, excruciating. Mm-hmm. So when Vince uh, began his work um, in the freedom of pain model, what was happening is that um, he was encouraged simply to just inhabit his body. Uh, he was pretty dissociated. So to help someone re-inhabit their body through breathing, simple breathing exercises that anyone can do, and you can do even when you're driving your car, for example. So mm-hmm. these are very portable, uh, easy to use, but very powerful kinds of techniques. And then... As that was happening, and he was just encouraged to stay with the physical responses in his body, what happened was that suddenly he said, oh, I know what this is now. And then he looked very, very stricken, very um, frightened, very upset. And in just encouraging him to talk about what was happening, he w- revealed that he was a, uh, an off-duty firefighter uh, when this incident happened where uh, he saw uh, somebody in a um, car accident. And, of course, like any good fireman, he came over to help. and was outside the grocery store, I think. And um, he uh, helped. He noticed the driver was okay. She was in shock, but that's normal. And, and so he said some reassuring words to her and then he looked in the back seat and that's when everything stopped for him because he realized the child that that was in the car seat was dead um and he you know immediately that kind of of shock that anyone would be uh just overwhelmed by terrified by you know really coursed through his body you can't well what 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 you said in the book, yeah, uh, just to refresh yeah. your memory, what sure, you said sure. in the book, the child was actually in the front seat and oh, okay. had been crushed by the airbag, but he had reached across right. the mother to yeah. turn off the key in the ignition. So he was reaching in to try and help her, right. and then yeah. he, w- he recoiled from the sight of the child, child dead in the front yes. seat. So it was this conflict between reaching in and reaching and, and recoiling that uh-huh. set up this 
uh, muscle issue. That's right. That's right. And I guess I'm just, uh, thanks for reminding me about the fact that it was on the front seat and the airbag, because that's pretty common, it can be common anyway, although we don't know why the child was in the front seat. So um, at any rate, um, you know, uh, that what happened was he was there to help. And as you say, he was reaching toward and physically in his body, and there was a movement to reach toward, and then he recoiled or retracted that movement of reaching toward when he saw the child, the dead child. And so it was that kind of dynamic that was frozen in his body and and therefore set up the uh, circumstances for frozen shoulder. And once he realized what, what had happened, and he simply was helped to complete the reaching out uh, movement, among other things. There were some other things that happened there. Uh, then he was free of pain, and mm. the pain did not come back. But sometimes it takes finding out what those other experiences are that are linked to the ones that we are aware of in the here and now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you, you have a technique called somatic experiencing. Right. Can you describe what that is? Sure. Well, this is this is Peter Levine's um, model, and I've worked with Peter, taught with him, and actually participated in the evolution of that model. And so many people will be uh, aware of it, especially if they're professionals. But it's a, it's fairly intensive um, to teach it. We it, it requires 36 days of training, and that's a lot. And then there are hours of um, doing your own personal work with the, the method and then also practicing with clients and getting supervision for that. So it's very involved. So this Um, is training for a practitioner. That's exactly right. Right. Uh, However, the good news is that um, in our book, and there are uh, some other books that Peter also has written, um, Healing Trauma is one of those, and and it's an earlier Sounds True program, so some some people listening might be interested in that. And Waking the Tiger was his very first book, Waking the Tiger, Healing Trauma. And so it basically is talking about what we, you and I have already discussed so far, is the fight-flight-freeze response, how to recognize that in your body experience. And so you have to learn how to focus. You have to learn how to first come back into your body using some gentle techniques because a lot of people don't understand they're disconnected from it. And we understand that when you've been in pain for a period of time, of course you don't want to feel the pain. <laughs> that, that would be, you know, that would not be in your best interest. On so it's what hand, you would call the bracing response. You're still bracing. Uh, not exactly. Not exactly. Um, let me see if I can finish this thought and I'll come back to bracing. Okay. So when you disconnect from your body, that's the dissociation I was talking about earlier. That's the uh, memory lapse and other things that go with that then we can't feel what's going on in our bodies. And if we've been pain, in pain for a while, we don't really care. You know, we don't even want to feel what's going on there. Mm-hmm. And so it is a protective mechanism, but some people get stuck in dissociation. And they don't realize that in order to resolve and heal their pain permanently, they have to learn to come back into their body experience, to feel it in a titrated, manageable way that feels safe to them, and then, like Vince the firefighter, uh, you're going to begin to make some new mov- movements 
that complete the protective mechanisms like the fight-flight response. We, even though human beings don't do what animals do, we do uh, make movements uh, that help us to flee, even if we're not aware of it. And we do um, feel a sense of inflammation and outrage, um, whether or not we can label that. And so what we want to do is to help people um, identify those uh, remnants of trauma, to learn how to work with them in the body experience, and how to bring healing in in the form of uh, creating new somatic experiencing, that it, experience that is expansive, that is uh, connected with resilience. We'll talk about resilience in a moment, but how would you deal with fibromyalgia? Okay. Um, fibromyalgia is an example of trauma responses that have become systemic. That is, that, that are, um, in many cases, they're located uh, in the joints, but not entirely. They're, they're points that have been identified, um, and I'm not, I'm not quite sure how many of them there are because there are different methods of identifying, diagnosing this. But basically the person experiences a lot of pain, but it's, it seems to be everywhere. And uh, it will often migrate through the body. That is, you know, maybe you'll do some work uh, with uh, breathing or mindfulness, and you move out of that kind of pain that you felt. Um, but then what will happen is you'll get pain in new locations. And so it's really, uh, really overwhelming to the people who are trying to treat it and deal with it. But in every case, and I've worked with quite a few people who struggle with fibromyalgia, it, it's very clear that they have a lot of, uh, I won't use the word trauma, let's just say early life difficulties. In some cases, it's birth trauma. In some cases, you know, it's abuse. Um, and in other cases, it might be a series of illnesses that are, that are life-threatening. And a lot of children who have early, let's say, kidney failure, for example, or cancer or something else like that uh, will you know, have not be well, may have recovered in terms of the medical response that they that they've been given, but they don't recover in the sense of how their body has braced. So, and here comes bracing again. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that to keep them from feeling the pain as much, because mm -hmm. we brace against pain. Uh, anybody who sprained their ankle, for example, or twisted their knee or something uh, of that nature. And um, you then try to walk on the, the limb that you've injured. Uh, it's really difficult, even if you, whether you're using crutches or hopping or what you're trying to do, pull yourself up. Because you, if you really pay attention, you'll notice that your whole body is bracing against that pain mm -hmm. in your ankle or in your knee or wherever. So it's throughout our skeleton. You know, it involves the bones as well as the ligaments, the tissues, the everything, tendons. And I imagine that the effect of the bracing actually means you have to work harder to do even simple actions. Right. Uh, the bracing actually, of course, slows us down. Um, I'm remembering I worked with a woman who had severe rheumatoid arthritis. This was some years ago. And uh, she, her problem was that as soon as she thought about standing up, she would go into this very painful spasm, even though she hadn't moved. Mm -hmm. you know? And so 
I, I got curious with her about it, and that's one of the approaches that we teach people. Uh, we all have curiosity, but, of course, the, the task is to use it to help you get out of pain or get free from pain. So that's one of the tools that we, we use is curiosity. So I said, you know, this is really amazing. You, you're not even standing. You're not putting any weight on your legs, which was mainly where the pain was, and yet you're experiencing pain just sitting here telling me about it. And she said, yes, that's right. That happens constantly. I said, okay. So I'm going to give us both a challenge, and that is we're going to see if by the end of our session today you can walk across the room and back without any pain. And she looked at me like I was crazy, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And I said, no, here's what we're going to do. And all I did was to teach her a very simple breathing technique to help her counter the bracing. In other words, instead of just giving in to the bracing and, and have it uh, render us helpless, what we want to do is work with the sensations that are related to bracing. And bre- breathing is one of the best and easiest ways of doing that. And she was indeed able to stand up and walk across the floor and back without any pain. That's amazing. And, and, and you know, this is the, the mes- message of this is not, oh, well, and then she was, you know, free of pain for the rest of her life. No, um, that's not what happened. Um, she eventually did go on disability because um, her the stress at, at her work was really something that she couldn't regulate or control. It was just horrible. And she needed to get out of that situation. But she then had a good quality of life. Um, she was able to manage most of the time without any debilitating pain. And mm. that's what we teach people is if you have choices and they're reliable, that is, whenever you use a certain type of breathing for you, it might be different for somebody else, that somehow allows you to feel a sense of freedom, to feel a sense of, of powerfulness and uh, autonomy and that you're going to make a difference. And so uh, when you're doing that on a regular basis, you begin to le- live a life that is relatively free from pain. Mm-hmm. Um, you're listening to New Consciousness Review, and we're discussing the book Freedom from Pain with the author, Dr. Maggie Phillips. Um, you uh, are I guess you would consider this as an alternative or complementary treatment to things like surgery, particularly with uh, chronic back pain. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you suggest people make decisions about medical interventions like medication and surgery? Surprisingly, uh, you actually are in favor of medication. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people, it's very interesting, uh, people have tried to get me to say that I'm against medication. <laughs> and I mean, I think that is just foolish. Um, I'm, I'm for the right kind of medication at the right time and in the right dosage. Okay, so those are three, uh, you know, criteria that have to be met for medication to be effective. And I think most doctors would agree with me. Okay, so... Often when I uh, start working with people, let's say they've been in, in pain for an average of five to ten years. That's a long time. And a lot of the times they haven't gotten real relief from their medication. And what they come in for sometimes is, you know, I can't stand this medication anymore. It has all these side effects. 
I want to, you know, take a natural approach, but all the ones I've tried haven't worked. Can you help me? And I'll say what I always say, which is, well, I certainly hope I can. And the only way to find out is to try some approaches and uh, see what we can do. Um, But my approach with this, because some people get really, you know, they want to be off medication today. Uh, What they hear from me is we want to develop an approach a natural resource or a natural way of coping with pain or responding to pain that is much more pleasant and effective than your medication. And we don't know how long that's going to take, but it is a mistake in my opinion, in our opinion, Peter's and mine, to simply take away the medication or encourage the person, well, yeah, you're right, you should get off that nasty medication. Because if they don't have an alternative, then they're going to be really in trouble. They're really going to be then. Then you get uh, emotional fear. If you didn't have it before, you will certainly have it then. So the body has come to rely on medication. You have to take that seriously. And you begin to help the body rely on other things, like kinds of breathing, sometimes imagery. Sometimes uh, we use energy approaches. Uh, so we have, you know, a multidimensional program. It's not just one particular uh, kind of technique. But in the book, we teach probably somewhere between five to ten different approaches and give you practice exercise to help you work with them. And any one of those can help you begin to reach some a reliable relief and shifting and positive change in your pain. And when that happens, then you can help the person step down on their medication and many of our folks uh, get off of medication altogether, but it is a gradual process, and it's a careful one. I believe that uh, you actually um, put the freedom from pain technique through clinical trials. What was the outcome? Uh, we actually have not done that. Oh. Um, so I'm not sure where you got that information. Uh, we hope to do that, certainly, but it takes a while. The book just came out, so... Mm-hmm. Um, what, what has happened is that I have some data uh, from my reversing chronic pain uh, online program. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just want to mention that to people. It's really, it's based on somatic experiencing, so it's similar to freedom from pain. The only difference is it's completely self-treatment. In other words, um, some people do consult with me, but I would say most often people don't. I never hear from them. Uh, mm-hmm. So... Uh, they work through the program. There are 10 different modules, and it teaches them the breathing techniques and some of the other things that um, we include in the Freedom from Pain program. And out of that group that have completed that program, we have uh, over 85% of them report that they have either reduced or lowered their medication and that they have significantly improved their pain on a permanent basis. Oh, that's great. Now, um, a lot of our uh, service members and more veterans um, suffer from both uh, chronic pain and PTSD. That's right. Um, uh, is there something that the Freedom from Pain program can do to help these people, these servicemen? Yes. And, you know, one thing I want to say is um, we have uh, we've become aware of research that's been done with returning veterans. And this is fairly current, but I, I suspect it might be true of, of veterans that, you know, that were not um, 
that served long before, you know, the last 10 years, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, and that new research shows that they are, respond much better to audio downloads, to things that they can put on their, uh, you know, their MP3 mm-hmm. device, their iPods or what have you. And they can listen whenever they want to. Um, and they can sort of select their own program, you know, in terms of what works for them. That that works much better for them than psychotherapy or professional help. Really? So that's, yeah, that's really important. Um, if you want some information on that, Belarus Napperstack, who's done a lot of work with imagery and returning veterans, um, you can Google her, and um, you can go on her site and find her. I think there's a report or... Uh, an article that she's written about this. And I, I really uh, I don't work that often with veterans. Peter has worked with uh, several of them. Um, but I do think that, and since we do have MP3 downloads, uh, if any of you listening are working with veterans or you are a veteran, you might want to try that um, particular formatting um, because it gives you a sense of autonomy. It places you in touch with your own power. And, of course, that's one of the things that war can take away is that sense of autonomy and that sense of power. So, um, yes, the answer, the, sh- the long answer <laughs> is, uh, is that, yes, we do believe that it can help veterans, and we hope to do some research. It's just that we, uh, we have not been able to get un- underway at this mm-hmm. point. We've just finished the book, and that has been compiled on 30 years of clinical experience that each one of us has. So it's a lot of... Um, soft data, but not any hard science yet. Now, uh, I think it's pretty well known that, uh, you know, surgery has its complications afterwards. You have adhesions and you have, you you have really distorted the body's energy field. What about people facing um, surgery and invasive procedures as well? Is there something that um, your uh, practices can do to help them? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that, um, Miriam, because um, uh, actually uh, we're we're moving into that area, I would say, a little bit more because there's so many people that seem to have surgeries that either don't work or they that make them worse. And so um, obviously you want to help people get ready for surgery so that you don't uh, suffer from after effects if you can help it. And there are lots of different approaches that we use. One of them, uh, in, in the book we have a nice chapter, I think, on, um, or I think it's a section, maybe not a whole chapter, on really um, knowing how to talk to your doctor. Um, so how do you make good decisions? Uh, how, one of the things we definitely suggest is that you and your doctor come up with a pain plan. Okay, this is hugely important, and I can't tell you how many people I've run into who just have had horrible problems that seem to have started with waking up from surgery in excruciating pain and their pain wasn't managed properly. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it was because the, uh, the order for medication wasn't received on time, somebody went on vacation, sometimes it's human error, um, but it doesn't really matter why. I, one of the things I emphasize with my clients is, you know, we talk about, a pain plan that would be good for them based on our work together and based on what I know about them and they know about themselves. And then what we do is we, we sort of walk through it. We rehearse it a few times. and we, we, They go into their doctors with a script 
um, and, you know, in case they don't trust what, you know, the questions that would be that they would ask. Um, and the script has to do with, you know, are you going to be available once I am discharged if my pain is not being managed properly? Mm-hmm. You know, I want to know that I can reach somebody who will, can change my prescription, change the dosage, whatever's needed to get me out of pain. What's your plan for that? So, so I really have clients be very proactive about these things. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to short circuit this, what you call the, the cascading effect of, of pain getting out of control. Right. And having exactly. it properly managed at the outset. That's so right. that people don't start with all the bracing and the dissociation and stuff. That's I right. know that my husband, who is a hypnotherapist, mm-hmm. um, gives people pre-surgery hypnosis. I think it's pretty common. Yeah, and um, I've done that also. I've, I've have used uh, hypnosis for any number of years, and uh, and some people really respond well to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but you know, it 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 it's almost like there's so many different good approaches now that it isn't a question of oh yeah you have to use hypnosis or you won't be ready you know for your surgery. Mm-hmm. I mean you can you can simply talk through it with your professional person. That's that's why we included it in that way in our book because mm-hmm. we want it to be accessible to everybody. And yeah. so really, what we're saying is get ahead of the pain and. Stay ahead of the pain when it comes to surgery. And it's not just when it comes to surgery. That's the whole point no, of anything, your book. Anything. It, it's, <laughs> right. it's absolutely putting the power back into your hands to deal with your pain. And, you know, it, it, we're always looking for instant solutions. It's going to take time and investment. But I think the tools that you give in your book, Maggie, are absolutely fantastic and the insight you give into the mechanism of pain so i i really recommend it to anybody uh suffering from pain so um maggie we've been uh speaking about your book freedom from pain with dr maggie phillips maggie what's your website yeah i have two websites one of them uh which talks about my uh online seminars and classes is maggiephillipsphd.com Mm-hmm. And the other one is reversing chronic pain. I probably will get eventually a new website for freedom from pain. But right now, the pain, all of the pain uh, resources are, are working out of reversingchronicpain.com. And I want to mention to your listeners that if uh, we're, we're running a uh, launch of our book right now, we have some wonderful bonuses. You can get up to 10 bonuses of audio downloads. Uh, from other practitioners. And that would be uh, on MaggiePhillips.com or reversing? Uh, actually, you, they should email me. Okay. Uh, so M and Phillips, your email is? MPhillips, M-P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S, mm-hmm. at L as in Larry, M as in Mary, I, L-M-I dot net. Okay. Well, Maggie, I'm really glad we were able to share this important information with our listeners Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for asking me for the opportunity, Miriam. It's been wonderful. Goodbye. And I'm happy to announce to our listeners that now you can download our mobile app and listen to all our shows on your iPhone, Android, or tablet. You'll find the link on our website, ncreview.com, and on our show page. Next week, our guest will be the amazing Barbara Marks Hubbard. 
We'll be discussing her vision for the future of humanity and her new book, Birth 2012 and Beyond, Humanity's Great Shift to the Age of Conscious Evolution. You won't want to miss it. And now we're going to close our show with the track of the week selected for us by Scott Johnson of the Positive Music Association. PMA members have music styles ranging from pop and rock to folk and jazz, but all have positive messages designed to uplift, heal, or enlighten. Today we're featuring Free at Last by singer-songwriter duo Cahill and Deline.
And so it goes in little ways A thousand mile journey A step every day Everyone a new start Put a song in your was Free at Last by Cahill and Deline from their CD, Song for Humanity. You can find this album on their website, cahillanddeline.com. That's C-A-H-I-L-L-A-N-D-D-E-L-E-N-E.com. For more amazing books, interviews, CDs, and DVDs that you can review or buy on the spot, Browse our website, ncreview.com. Well, that wraps up our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it and will join us next week. And please tell your friends. So until then, I'm Miriam Knight for New Consciousness Review. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.